0: So let's go ahead and pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. One God, forever and ever. Amen. Let me do one more little bit of technology. How did people ever get educated before we had computers? Anyway, we have been studying Ecclesiastes by looking at its major themes, even though we're spending, I think, about six lessons on it, six or seven. Um can't really cover it text by text. And one could say that uh, Ecclesiastes' repetitions, I, I would say, rather, it, it rings the changes on its main themes in various ways, so Solomon drives it home again and again and again. Uh, in some ways, it's like a really long and annoying rock song that way. Um, <laughs> hear the same thing over again and again and again. Um, The main theme, the core of the message, is that the world is never enough. Uh, It's never enough to yield final meaning or lasting value or everlasting reward. Uh, Nothing you can do in this life under the sun, to use Solomon's phrase, will ever yield those things. It's never enough to fully satisfy our longings for what the world cannot even tell us we are longing for. And we're going to talk about a phrase that points to that in just a few minutes. Uh, under this general rubric, we've already looked at this as a weary and worn out world, in the cycles of nature, uh, in, in the back and forth of what humans do in history, and that we are captives on the carousel of time. For those of you who are of a certain age, again, you know i stole that from a joni Mitchell song, which is a good song um, it 's a little too hopeful at the end but because because there 's hope at the end, not death now, please remember this is this is this is not the gospel it, it is in a sense ecclesiastes it 's like what you need to hear before you 're ready to hear the gospel, but then we need to continually hear it throughout our lives, so again. Don't kill me, I'm only the messenger. I've, I've read Ecclesiastes so many times I've forgotten. And I did, I did teach it before, but to uh, high school students. And, and I've tried, uh, some um, commentators, uh, serious Old Testament uh, scholars, have tried to somehow wrest a positive, upbeat message from Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry, it's just not there. It's 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 not positive and upbeat, but it is really true. Now, at the end, I don't want to give the end away, except Colleen already gave the end away. But last week, um, but seriously, he is doing all this to get to a point. And actually, you could see Ecclesiastes as like a like a signpost, one of those big fingers on it that says "go that way." But we'll get to the point when we. Get to that point. Uh, today we're going to look at a third theme. Eternity beckons but eludes us. Uh, we are enticed by it. Why? What does that mean? And why does it escape our grasp? Uh, one of the reasons we find that it escapes our grasp, of course, has to do with last week's lesson is that we, we are embedded in time and we can't ourselves get out of that plane of existence. It encompasses everything from birth to death, and that's our captivity on the carousel. Um, The world keeps going round and round. It is weary and worn out. We keep going round and round. We're captives on the carousel of time, and eternity beckons us. We sense within ourselves that we are made for more than the fleeting lives we lead, and they really are fleeting, although I found it impossible not just difficult, impossible to persuade high school students of this. I'm sure I uh, intended to convince Samantha that I probably failed. Um that have you for Old Testament? Okay, I used to, when I taught Ecclesiastes, I mean it was brief uh, wisdom literature. I don't know if I did it every year, but for many years I remember I used to start the lesson on Ecclesiastes by putting a bunch of newly cut flowers in a vase by my desk. Well, I like flowers anyway. Um, and by the time I had finished the lesson, it was usually a little past it, though. They had started to die and fade, and I would say, well, you're, you're like those flowers. You know, they are bright and lively, but they're cut off, and so they're eventually going to die. Have a nice day. So today we'll look at that third team, how... how Third theme, how eternity beckons but eludes us, how we sense we're made for more than, than happens to us in this very fleeting life, and it is very fleeting. Uh, I can remember things that happened to me in high school, not like they were yesterday, but kind of like they were like week before last, even though they were 50 years ago. This would be my 50th uh, high school reunion. We long for lasting love, meaning, and value, yet we can never grasp them. I mean, we have them, but we want them forever, and we can't have them that way. Uh, Let me go ahead and read the text we're going to explore. And again, I'm not even going to go line by line in this short passage. What I'm going to do is read it carefully. I'll refer back to it again, and then try to unwrap all of what solomon is saying here so chapter 3 verse 10 i have seen the burden god has laid on men he has made everything fitting and appropriate in its time he has also set eternity in the hearts of men yet they cannot fathom what god has done from beginning to end I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil, this is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. Now, if you were following along, if you had a Bible on your phone or brought a hard copy, uh, most translations translate verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And it can be translated that. But in this context, it really means fitting and appropriate. It means that that this is this is good the way that it is so this is how god has set everything even though it goes back and forth and wearies us out this is the way these things are supposed to be and there are reasons for that which we'll get to at the end so we're going to look at these three aspects of Eternity in the hearts of men, time and eternity, God and eternity, and Solomon's focus in this passage, man and eternity. Now, he, he isn't writing, Solomon isn't writing a theological treatise, so I'm going to describe only very briefly some of the more abstract details of these very complicated relationships, just to help us to get a grasp on what Solomon is trying to tell us. And, and just so you know, if you find some of this difficult, uh, philosophers and scientists have still not figured out you know, what time is and what time and eternity, how they relate to each other, and infinity either. Um, even defining time is a perplexity. So we'll look at time and eternity. Uh, St. Augustine wrote in his book Confessions, he, he wrote a lengthy book, recounting his conversion experience in his early life and his later life, but within that he unwraps a lot of theological and philosophical themes. So he wrote this in his book. What then is time? We all think you know what it is, right? Provided that no one asks me, I know, Augustine said. If I want to explain it to an inquirer, I do not know. Seriously, try explaining time to somebody sometime. But I confidently assert, affirm to myself to know that if nothing passes away, there is no past time. And if nothing arrives, there is no future time. And if nothing existed, there would be no present time. And so as far as defining time, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. It's a difficult concept. If you want to get into physics and thermodynamics, The arrow of time and how physical processes occur go in one direction only. So one other thing I'd say about time, it's sort of simply the measure of how the universe is unfolding process by process by process. Okay, that's enough. Uh, God created time with the physical universe. Um, This is a, a hard concept to grasp. That's okay, it'll get harder as we go along. Uh, Strictly speaking, there was no before creation. There was no before creation. Now, I might say before creation, like what was God doing before creation? But there wasn't any time, so you can't say before. Time came into existence with the universe. There was no time apart from creation. And that's all I'll say about that. So time itself is not part of the curse. We, we feel like it is. Oh, I wish I had more time. And there's only 24 hours in a day. Actually, there's 24 hours in a few odd seconds. But And there used to be more hours in the day, but tidal forces have slowed down the earth. And, and so, I mean, there used to be less time. Um, about, oh, I don't know how many millions of years ago, uh, the days used to be about 23 hours long. Now they're 24. And in another million years should the earth last that long, which I don't think it will. We'll get up to 25 maybe. But it's not part of the curse of the fall. Uh, It is a good creation of God. We experience time as grievous because we are cut off from God, like those flowers I mentioned I put on my desk. God is the source of life, and so the passage of time marks our decline deterioration, and death. So we even, we'll even even say things like time heals all wounds in the sense that we know that in some cases, of course, the passage of time for especially younger people will cause your body to allow itself to be healed. But on the other hand, as you get older... Um, you will notice that even small cuts take even longer to heal. And so you gradually wear down, break down, and of course you die. And, and, and then you're raised and live forever. So I'll just say that. Uh, eternity is not endless time but timelessness. And if you can't wrap your head around that, that's okay. Nobody can. Um, how does God do things in sequence if there's no time? I'm not even going to try and explain that. There are lengthy attempts to do that. Uh, we could say that eternity cons- contains and transcends time. Like, you know, eternity is the the bucket and we're the water. Uh, or we could say we understand the passage of time against the backdrop of eternity. It's It's a lot more complicated than that. So I'm not really going to... Try and explain it. I just want you to think of how just awesome and mysterious this idea of eternity is. Now, God is eternal. That means without beginning and without end. Uh, Another just mind-boggling concept to try and comprehend. You can't. You, You can just let the idea wash over you something that has no beginning. Like, how did God get there? Well, he didn't get there. He just always is, was, and evermore shall be. And without end. In himself, uh, a couple of the things I'm going to say here about this are a little controversial, but I'm not going to do the back and forth. So some of the things you could say about God's relationship to time Are disputed. So I'm giving you my conclusions. If you disagree and want to discuss it at the end, we could do that. God inhabits eternity, He is timeless. In Himself, without creation, there's no time with God. Uh, God does not have His life in temporal succession as we do. We'll do this, and then we'll finish, and then we'll go to lunch. Uh, and then some of us will take a nap, and then maybe we'll watch a little TV later on. We do one thing after another, after another, after another. However God is enjoying his eternal life, that's not how he does it. Under the sun, we never fully possess our life. You know, I mean, what is the sum total of your life? Well, you don't know yet. Sadly, you don't know until it's just about over. Um, and you don't really know really what the, what the texture or nature of your life fully is. I mean, something could happen very abruptly. And however old you are, the rest of your life could be totally different. Um, I had a conversion experience at 21. And my life changed in a way that I could not imagine. So, so you don't even know what your life is all about um, until it's towards the end. We live in the moment between memory of the past and anticipation of the future. You know, they say time is like a river. It isn't exactly like that, but it's not a bad metaphor. And, and we're like in one place in the river, and the river keeps moving forward in time. As uh, There's a Christian philosopher named uh, Betheus, His definition for eternity is... is one of the more famous ones because it's the most apt in relation to God. For God, eternity is the complete possession all at once of limitless life. So he has his life all at once, unlike we do, and his is limitless, unlike ours. And it's not only that he doesn't die, it's that even in our experience of life while we're having it, it's not completely full, and we all know it if we ever pause to think about it. Uh, and that's part of God putting eternity uh, in, our, in our minds. It's like you, you eat hot dogs all your life, but God puts the idea of steak in your heart. Not a steak in your heart like a vampire, I mean, like a really good filet mignon. Um, and in comparison, we realize, you know, hot dogs aren't that great. They're okay. Um, God enjoys the fullness of his life now, all at once, and forever. And that's really awesome and mysterious. Um, so with creation, with the creation, this is one of the controversial part, God now participates in time. Is he in time? Well, I'm just going to say he participates in time. Analogous to how Christ participates in humanity and in his incarnation. Now, I will say analogous because... Christ is fully human, fully divine, now and forever. The incarnation does not end. Jesus Christ has been translated into a different dimension, and then he will be translated out at the end of time. And we'll come back as Jesus Christ. What Solomon is focused on, of course, is this, man and eternity. So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, the relationship between man and eternity, strictly speaking, again, uh, human beings are not, never will be eternal because we have a beginning. So when we talk about eternal life, I don't correct people. It's like when a little child talks about going to heaven. You don't say, well, it's really the fullness of the kingdom of God at the end of the age, and it's really heaven. and earth. No, that you go to heaven. That's close enough. So when we say eternal life, that's close enough. But we had a beginning. So, in that sense of using the word eternal, only God is eternal. Um, rather, we are everlasting. We have everlasting life. And in some parts, in some texts of the New Testament and the Old Testament, that's how we're described. So, what does it mean if we, in fact, are not eternal ourselves? What does it mean that God has placed eternity in our hearts? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the first thing we're going to say is though we live under the sun, uh, and I've explained that before, that's under the sun between, between birth and death, no reference to transcendent reality and barely even the recognition of God, uh, we are entrapped in time, that's under the sun. Though we live under the sun, entrapped in time between the boundaries of birth and death, human beings also have a God-given intuition that there is something beyond the brief time of this life. And there's a slight typo. I think I just have intuition there. And I don't want to imply, on the notes, I think it's just going to say intuition, that somehow this is something like the romanticist thought that is just innate to us. No, it's something given us by God very specifically. Something, intuition that there is something beyond the brief time of this life, something that encompasses and transcends time. Some of you may have heard the lines of the Poet, English poet William Blake, he encouraged us to see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. We have a sense that there is such a thing as eternity. Now what Blake said, that's not how it, exactly how it works. Some of the romanticists actually believe you could grasp eternity by contemplating nature, but, but you can't do that either. But God does give glimpses of eternity. The beauty and glory and awesomeness of creation point our hearts to its eternal creator. Yet at the same time, we know that eternity does not belong to us. And even people who are really mystical into new agey stuff and like that, deep down they know, even if they deny it and cover it up, that we don't have eternity and we can't gain it we know there's a God. Um, what then does it mean that God has placed eternity in our hearts again? We'll keep asking the question. Well, one of the things it means is that much of what we do in this life in work, achievement, religion, and relationship stems from our longing to grasp eternity. And it's a theme that uh, occasionally, although... Continually gets expressed in <coughs> popular culture, especially in music and especially in rom- romance love songs that promise eternal love. But one particularly on the nose song was written for the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul. You may be familiar with this. It's one by, sung by Whitney Houston, called uh, uh, One Moment in Time. And if everything's working... I won't play the whole song. Um, I would like to say I really, really love the Olympics. I used to really, really love the Olympics. I will admit that uh, particularly recently, uh, political and even some natural events have toned that down. I mean, I, I've, one of the few, I've liked it more than the Super Bowl. I mean, I would uh, find a way to watch as much of it as I could, and when it was far away, I'd be up at 3 in the morning, and... Um, I, I found it inspiring and an athletic achievement, particularly for people who aren't full of themselves, I really, I really admire. Um, uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, some popular uh, sports figures who are quite full of themselves. But anyway, it's a very stirring song. Have have many of you ever heard that before? I I, I recommend that you listen to it. And of course, that's Whitney Houston's voice, which is incredible. Um, I mean, I like songs sung by her, which I wouldn't like sung by anybody else. I want to dance with somebody. You know, what a silly little song, but man, she makes it seem like it's the meaning of life, okay? (laughs) If I could just dance with somebody, I would. uh, but I hate to be a buzzkill, though, but the song isn't true. You're, you're not going to grasp eternity by winning the Olympics. And not every Olympian thinks that. Um, I remember some interviews, Olympics, with a, the, I remember it was a Christian. I can't remember uh, what her name was, but she was a diver. And I can't remember if she won gold, silver, or bronze. But, you know, she had a very uh, relaxed and, and circumscribed attitude towards her victory and would recognize that you know Christ actually comes first. But she was still a really good diver. Um, and so it, it's just not true, though, that you'll gain eternity, not in any literal or even strong metaphorical sense. Um, it will last and it will fade. Um, and then people who are still set on trying to attain attorney, well, they'll go on and try and do it again. So I feel it's necessary to interject, since I'm being such a buzzkill, once again, that though no achievement, whether in athletics or entertainment or business or whatever, uh, what someone wants to do to try and achieve some form of greatness, nothing can give the final, full, and lasting meaning that we're seeking. But this does not mean we should never try to achieve anything or enjoy ourselves while we're trying. Um, I realize there's some, you know, masculinity, toxic or otherwise, in the, you know, space race between Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Richard Branson. Who else are these, you know, macho billionaires? But it's still pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't mean we we shouldn't enjoy ourselves while we're trying. I'll mention this again in a a couple of slides so we don't forget it. So even Solomon repeats the idea in several several places. Don't try and make this life give you what it cannot give, but that doesn't mean it's bad or you should not try and do things. Um, What then does it mean that God has placed eternity in our hearts? So we long to understand who we are and why we are here against the backdrop of eternity, as Old Testament scholar Dwayne Garrett puts it. Or we try and cover up the voice that has spoken to us that when God has put eternity in our hearts, uh, we either cover it up by trying to achieve over and over and over again, or Sadly, some people try and cover it up with drugs, alcohol, and sex, and rock and roll, and, and whatever. We have an inner sense that our individual lives and, and the whole of human history entire are meant to be integrated and fulfilling wholes, but they're not. But we keep trying because we have eternity in our hearts. Bound by time and finitude, we are unable to comprehend the meaning of and purpose of the whole world or our place in it. That is, the meaning of that phrase Solomon uses, what God has done from beginning to end. We never seem to grasp everything that God has done. Uh, yet as solomon has said before uh, and i'll say it again if we do not ask from life what it cannot give we can accept happiness and enjoyment as the gift of god which which i do and i think you should too seeing our own feeble and fragmented efforts compared to the completeness and eternal perfection of all that God has done, is meant to humble humans and lead us to worship him. That's why he has placed eternity in our hearts, to be a sign, to be a prod, to remind us is we are not the be-all and end-all and that the world is not enough. So I'll end with another quote from uh, St. Augustine. He wrote in Confessions, You stir man to take pleasure in praising you, because you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And next week, well, we'll, we'll do death next week, okay? Okay, well, thank you for coming, and we'll continue next week with, with death. Okay, well, that should be a happy time. Thank you for coming.